take your Bible and turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. We'll be there in just a minute. And uh, I just need to give you some fair warning. The Lord is messing with me in a good way today, and so there's a good chance we're not going to get through the whole outline. And like, I know that there's a whole bunch of you that say, so, I wasn't really concerned about that. Well, if you have a personality like mine and you look at some blanks, we'll pick up on that possibly next week. So don't let that be a disturbance to you if you're trying to match the minutes on your watch with how many blanks that are left. Just don't even play that game. Don't play that game. As you turn, your, turn, turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4, I want to talk to you today in this series we've been in called Dare to Be a Disciple, to be a real follower of Jesus. I want to talk to you about fishing. Specifically about fishing. Last week we talked about what it means to be a follower and all these different principles and, and kind of the whole overview of where we're going. But I want to zero in just on the fishing component today. And as you're opening up your Bibles, I want you to think about fishing. Do you like to fish? In fact, I want you to turn to the person to your left or your right. You're only going to have 17 seconds. I want to prepare you. It's not going to be a long conversation. It's going to be short. You're going to ask the question, do you like to fish? Like, you know, cast the whatever, fish, rod, reel, fish. Do you like to fish? Yes or no? And find out. On your marks, find the person next to you. Get set. Go. Ask them, do you like to fish? If you haven't switched yet, you're taking too long. Go ahead and switch. All right, as we come back together, I'm not sure what you heard. You probably heard yes or no or I hate questions in church. Why is he making me do this? I don't know what you heard. But uh, my answer is uh, kind of, sort of. I, I love it and I hate it. Let me explain. Well, when I was a kid, my grandfather on my mom's side, uh, Earl McKinney, I called him Pappy, he, he was a pastor and, and he loved to fish. And so fishing meant being with grandpa. And I, and I thought that was, that was pretty cool, it meant being with Pappy. And so I remember that there, I've never seen a pastor who could weave in calling on his parishioners and fishing as well as Pappy did. I mean, I remember getting in his Oldsmobile because that's the only car he would ever drive. And we were going to visit one of the people in his church. And when we got there, he said, now, you know, we've got fishing gear in the trunk. I'm like, okay. He goes, so if they ask us to fish in the pond, our answer is going to be yes. Like, okay, Pepper, we got it. And, And lo and behold, it was amazing how spiritual conversations led to fishing. And would you like to fish in the pond? And he'd say, well, sure. I just happened to have fishing poles in the trunk. Wherever he would go, he was ready to fish. He loved it. Now, the problem was, I'm not sure when the the laws, the gaming laws came into being. It was probably back then, too, of how big it has to be before you keep it. You know, all those rules and stuff. I'm sure it was out of ignorance, but Pappy never met a fish that he wouldn't clean. I mean, if it's like, you know, two inches, he'd clean that thing. And his idea of cleaning the fish was chop off the head and the tail, fry it up, and now you eat it and spit out the bones. And, and because of that, I still don't like eating fish to this day. And so fishing, I didn't like it. And I remember fishing with, with Pappy. I loved being with him, but I hated touching the fish. I hated getting that bluegill spine stuck in my hand as a kid. And so as I would cast my, my rod or cast the lure in there into the water, I would just pray that it wouldn't work. I just didn't want to catch anything. And if he caught it, that's great, but I didn't want to catch it. I wanted to be with him. As I got older, I began to fish with, with my dad and And his father, Grandpa Weishart, didn't have a lot of moral things to pass down to us. That wasn't kind of his example, but he was a good fisherman. And he loved fishing, and that was one of the positive things we could talk about with Grandpa Weishart. And I still to this day remember my dad showing me different lures that were passed down to him. A hula popper. Anybody have a hula popper, you know what I'm talking about? Or a jitterbug or a crankbait. And they pull these out and they talk about them. And, and, and I loved hearing the stories. And I thought, well, I want to use these too. And so I'd fish with my dad. But the same thing was there. I didn't really like fishing. And, and I hoped that he would catch something. But I didn't want to touch it. It's gross. 
it, 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 I don't like eating it. And, and so I, I fish to be with somebody, but I don't really like eating fish. I don't like fishing. Well, when I got to college, uh, my college roommate and childhood friend, Chris, began to have a passion for fishing. And he was getting his collection of his own tackle box. And he said, let's go fishing. And one weekend in college, we went away from school to go fishing. And, and we began to fish. Now, I didn't want to admit that I didn't really like fishing, and, and I was no longer a child, and so for a guy to say, you know, I don't want to touch the fish, you know, you can't really say that and be manly, and so I brought a glove, you know, and, and even to had like a fishing brand on the glove, and I'm like, yeah, I, I can wear this fishing glove and just kind of hide the fact that I don't want to touch it, and then if, if I had to pull guts out, then, you know, I, I would still have the same prayer, Lord, don't let me catch anything. If I did, could I put up such a fight that maybe it'll be the one that got away, and everybody else is disappointed, and I love it. Because I caught something, but I never had to take it off the hook. Well, we were fishing in Indian Lake, and, and uh, we were casting our, our, our lure out there and reeling it in. And lo and behold, the dreaded thing happened. Chris had a bite. And it was no little bluegill or some small bass. It was like this huge whale of a thing. And he reeled it up, and we brought it up to the boat, and we saw that it was, it was this pike. And, and we'd never seen a pike before, and it had teeth, and we thought, oh my goodness, what are we going to do? And so he just lifted it up and brought it in the boat, and, and I learned at that moment, <laughs> my friend Chris didn't like fishing either. <laughs> he was counting on me taking the fish off the hook, and I was counting on him doing it, so we looked at this monster in the boat, and it was, I don't know how huge, I don't know, it was probably like this, but it, it was just scary to us, and so I stepped on him, and he yanked it, and guts went everywhere, and that poor fish met its death right there in the boat before we could even clean it. And, and I think of that because what is Jesus doing talking to us about fishing? I don't even like fishing. My guess is that half of you here don't like it either. Or you're like ashamed of people like me who can't touch fish and eat fish. I don't know. But what is Jesus talking about? Because he's very specific and I think it's on purpose that he's talking about fishing. Let's look at God's word together. Matthew chapter 4 verse 19. We looked at this passage in another gospel last week. And while this is a short sentence it is packed full of power for us today matthew four nineteen says this come follow me jesus said and i will make you fishers of men what is the deal with fishing why is jesus talking about fishing uh, now let's just pause here we're gonna have a talk back moment for, for a second okay i know we don't typically do this but i want you to talk back to me when jesus says i'm going to make you a fisher of men what do you think he's talking about anybody what's jesus talking about i'm going to make you a fisher of men what does that mean say, say it attracting others good somebody else how would you phrase it jesus is going to make us a fisher of men or a fisher of people attracting others what else Witnessing, somebody said. Anybody else? What would you say? Jesus is going to make us a fisher of people or a fisher of men. Evangelism. Anybody else? All these are right. These are good. So Jesus is talking about witnessing. He's talking about evangelism. He's talking about us reaching out to other people. Why didn't he just say that? I mean, when I hear fishing, I, I don't like to fish. And what's the whole point of fishing? I don't think Jesus just was at a loss for words, or he didn't know what to say, or this was given to us of just some kind of coincidence. He just was talking about fishing. No, I think there's a reason. You see, when, when Jesus calls you and I to follow him, he makes us into something that you and I are not. 
And there's this path when he calls us. So imagine with me, when Jesus says, come follow me, there's a path. We, we walk the walk with him. We walk the road with him. But there's not only a path to being a disciple, there's also a promise. And the promise is this. You follow me, I'm going to make you into something that you are not. And it's not an either or. It's not, uh, I'd like to pass, I'll pass on the promise. And that's not how it works. Or I like the promise, no thanks on the path. I'm going to follow and walk in obedience to him. And when I do, I receive his promise. He will make me into something that I am not. He'll make me into a fisher of men. Followers of Jesus, not just then, but now, are to be fishers of men by the power of Jesus Christ. But what's with this fishing language? You see, I think it's this. I think Jesus talked about fishing primarily because of who he was speaking to. When Jesus called them to follow him, he changed their life's purpose. If you're taking notes, jot that down. That's the first blank. He changed their life's purpose. I don't think it was an accident that he just started talking about fishing. These were professional fishermen. They weren't surprised by fishing techniques. They were experts in fishing. It wasn't just a hobby that they would do. It wasn't just something to pass the time uh, on a Saturday afternoon or something they do on holidays. It was their livelihood. It's how they provided for their family. It was tied to their identity. In fact, most likely, these fishermen received training in this trade from those who had gone before them. It was probably a family thing. And so, we're fishermen. It's not just what we do. It's part of who we are. My guess is, there were things that they loved about being a fisherman. There's probably some things they didn't like so much. There was probably seasons when the fishing was great. There had to have been seasons when the fishing was not so good. And it was, it was part of a lifestyle that they knew that they were experts in. And Jesus says, come follow me, and I'm going to change your purpose. You're no longer going to be a professional fisherman. How can I say it? Let me speak in some terms you'd understand. You're going to be a fisher for men. Your, your identity, your purpose, your occupation, your expertise, what is your driving force in life is going to be about winning people to me. Jesus changed everything about a life that they had become comfortable and experts in. They, they, no doubt, probably could have dreamed up some kind of occupation that they would have liked better. They probably would have loved to have been a judge or a king or a ruler or some really wealthy person, but, but they were at least comfortable in knowing what to expect from being a fisherman. They were at least comfortable in understanding that they had some kind of knowledge of how to outsmart the fish how to get their nets to work correctly how to mend their nets how to provide how to sell and when would be the right seasons and times to go get the fish they had some expertise but jesus was changing all of that i think there's a key for us this morning to be a follower of jesus we're not only walking this path with christ he has this promise for us and this promise changes our identity it changes everything that we are to be about and he's calling that out to you and I today, calling us out of our comfort zone, calling us out of what you and I feel like we may be experts in, calling us out of what we have previously identified ourselves by. This is who we are or, or what we do. The things that we think of, well, I'm a wise heart and we do this, or I'm an extrovert and I do this, or I'm an introvert or I do this, or, or I, I have a strong work ethic and so I do this, or whatever it may be. And we begin to identify ourselves with that. And, and Jesus is saying, I'm going to call you to something different. I challenge you this morning, look at this passage. We're only going to get half of this teaching today, but look at this passage through the lens of how am I doing as a follower, as a disciple of Jesus. 
I mean, according to what Jesus is saying here, if you follow me, I'm going to make you into something you're not. I have to decrease so he can increase. John 3.30 says, he must increase, so therefore I must decrease. And so I have to get rid of Brady to make more room for the Holy Spirit in my life. So that's Jesus' call. That's why he's talking about fishing. But I want to look at what keeps us from fishing. Now, I don't know how you feel about the Bible. But I cherish it. And not just this book. I do cherish this copy of the Bible because it's got notes in there. It's kind of like a best friend. Have you ever lost your Bible? It's frustrating. If you ever find someone's Bible, call them, bring it back to them, give it to them because they've, they've journeyed with it. And so I love, I love this copy of the Bible. But how do you feel about the Bible beyond just the copy you hold in your hand? I base my life on it. It's, it's trustworthy for me. It's something I value. And I would say just about, maybe not everybody, but, but many in this room would feel the same way. Friend, either we believe all of it or none of it. We can't just pick and choose our favorite things. I guess you can do that, but, but you're not living according to what it says. And Jesus is pretty clear here. I don't know how to get around this. I've done the language studies. It keeps coming out the same. Follow me, I'll make you into a fisher of men. Follow me, I'll send you out to be a fisher of men. Follow me, I'm going to change something in your life. This is what takes place. And it's not just this one place. It's all throughout the Gospels. It's not just in this one story. It's all laced throughout all of Scripture. He does something in us for a purpose. So if that's what the Bible says, and we can clearly see Jesus telling us what's going to take place, why don't we fish? I think some of us, we like the idea of fishing. We've grown up around fishing. We just don't want to do it. We don't want to get dirty. We don't want to get stabbed by the spines. We don't want to partake of that. It doesn't taste right in our mouth. Oh, I'm cool with talking about fishing. I'm cool with being with other people who fish. That's good. And and, and I've grown up in a family of fishermen. Both grandfathers fished. My father fished. I have cast the line out, so therefore I kind of fish. Not really. I'm not a fisherman. I I, I can't even list more than four or five fish. Last service I got in trouble. I couldn't think of any others. Bass and perch and pike. And I'm about done. I I, I can't even remember the ones I remember last service. I'm not a fisherman. But I've been around people who fish. If I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, therefore, I must be a fisher of men, of women. So what does this look like? What keeps us from this? I think one thing that keeps a lot of cultural Christians, people who identify with Christ in name or belief, but they're not really on the path and accepting the promise. They may walk the way that Jesus wants them to walk, but they don't want Jesus to do things in them. Here's one thing that keeps them from being a fisher of men. The first is fractional following. It's a divided life that they live. It's compartmentalizing Jesus to one area. They may say, I follow Jesus, and they may even have a real authentic desire to follow Jesus, but only follow him so far. Many want to follow Jesus in this get-out-of-hell free card. That that road is open wide. And then there's some more who will follow Jesus to even live right and be good men and women and boys and girls, but, but... what does it mean to be reckless abandoned following Jesus? There's no like class of disciples. In our culture, we make different classes of disciples. There's clergy, and then we have board members, and we have Sunday school teachers. We have these saints, so that just means you reach a certain age, and you still believe in Jesus, and you're alive, and so now you're a saint. And we have all these different things, and we begin to... It's really categories and circles. We push off obedience to other people. <laughs> you're a scholar. You know original language. You know Jewish culture and history. Therefore... Here's your level of obedience. Not me, I'm just ignorant. And we begin to push it off on someone else. Jesus says, hey, 
You follow me, I'm going to make you into something you're not. Something powerful is taking place here. But fractional following will keep us from this. Uh, This person may follow Jesus on Sunday, but what about Tuesday? This person may follow Jesus and their actions, what they do. They've changed their behavior, but what about their attitudes? It's amazing to me that people who are so repulsed by actions of willful disobedience, I mean, it just is disgusting to them that someone would say that or go there or do that or these things. But yet when it comes to their attitude, it's as sinful and stinking and disobedient as possible. I'm going to keep Jesus in this one area, but, but this fractional following will keep us from being a fisher of men. It'll allow us to have an excuse of why we're not a fisher of men. We may follow him in our public life, but what about our private life when no one is looking? We may follow him in our belief system and our theology, but what about our practice of what we actually do? Christians should be loving and compassionate and care for those who are down and out. But what do I do? How do I interact with people? And Jesus says, if you follow me, there's a path, but there's a promise. I'm going to make you into something that you are not on your own. We may follow him in our finances, but how do I follow him in investing my time? Some of us will write the check, but heaven forbid you ask for an hour. Because I will follow Jesus so far, but, but not quite all that way. You've heard it said before, but it bears repeating. If he, Jesus, is not Lord of all, then he's not Lord at all. I grew up hearing bald, old, white guy preachers say that over and over again, and now I'm two of those three working on the third one. And it's not just something that rhymes and it sounds good to say in a sermon, well, if he's not Lord of all, then he's not Lord of all. It's the truth. Either he is the sovereign God, that when he speaks, he creates. So what is it that he says you can go, oh, it's not that important? How would you like whatever you say just happens? organic mint dark chocolate bar appear i wouldn't like that right now that'd be good he speaks things come into existence he is the sovereign god either he is powerful enough to help you in that crisis and he's sovereign over everything or sovereign over nothing for you we like to call on him when things are horrible and bad or beyond our control but as soon as we think we've got it Stay away. Fractional following keeps us from any desire to be a fisherman. Hey, hear this. This is, I'm convinced now, it took me to now, why I couldn't preach the whole sermon. (laughs) So many of us blame our personality, our giftings on why we don't evangelize people. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing. What spiritual gift inventory did these disciples take before Jesus said, come follow me and I'm going to make you a fisherman? What interview did they do for jesus to to say now tell me you know what do you have to offer me because i want to choose my steering committee here and who is follow me and i jesus will make you into something so what causes us not to do this is we're not so sure we want him to make us into something all right maybe it's not fractional following another category that keeps us from fishing for people for having a heart for the lost for embracing the mission that god has called us to it's floundering in the familiar. Here's what I mean. It may not be the divided life for you. You may let Jesus be Lord over everything in your life, but here's what happens. You're so saturated, you're so flooded, so lost in the familiar things of your life that you are lulled into this state of complacency. It's not out and out blatant disobedience to where you say, no, God, I won't do what you tell me to do. 
you just get so cloudy and fuzzy, swallowed up in the things that you just, it's just what I know. It's just my bubble. Just live in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and I go to these places, and this is what I do, and, and I, I never ever get beyond anything else other than that. And so I am floundering in this familiar. Often these people lose sight of anything outside themselves. I remember when I lived in Oskaloosa, Iowa, one of the, the strongest awakenings to me that I was in a small town is I was in my 7th grade, 6th grade maybe uh, history class and the Berlin Wall came down and we didn't talk about it in history class at all and I raised my hand and I said uh, uh, I forget the teacher's name, I said could, could we talk about this? He says, hey, if it doesn't happen in Mahaska County, it doesn't count. And it just, it just it hit me even as a 6th grader. This is kind of a big deal. We can get so caught up, if it doesn't happen in, in, in Allen County, if it doesn't happen in Grace Point, if it doesn't happen in my family, it doesn't matter. And Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm calling you to something far bigger than just yourself. Don't be lulled to a sense of complacency and get so floundering in the familiar things, you miss what is going on. Here's the things they say. Uh, I don't know if I've ever done it. I've not experienced it. I've never thought about it so much. I've never really personally desired that, so it doesn't exist to me. So really what I'm saying is, if it's not about me, then I'm not into it. And another way of saying that is, I am God, he is not. Common words for this are phrased this way. You know, Brady, I've just, I'm not against it. I've just never thought about it before. Well, thought about it. Think about it. Spend some time right now. What would it mean to radically follow Jesus? I just don't think that way. Think that way for a minute. Well, I, I just don't think that's for me. That's for Edgar. That's for the Musselmans. They're, you know, they're like mission family. That's for the Musselmans. You know, that, that's for the Hobbagers and the Wades and the Rainies. They're, they're kind of wild and crazy people that go out and sell everything and go in mission field. That, that's, for, that's not for me. You know what? It's, it's not about them. It's about Jesus. Right. You say, I don't think I can do that. I'm convinced you can't. I'm convinced you don't have what it takes. Jesus says, you follow me and I will make you into something that you are not. We flounder in the familiar. Friend, I dare you to examine, am I being a disciple, a real follower of Jesus the way he has called me to? It may not be fractional following. It may not be floundering in the familiar. It could just be flat out fear. And I'm not making light of this. I'm not trying to suggest it's not a real issue. It is a very real issue. It's one of the biggest tools the enemy uses to get us from being on mission is fear. We say things like, well, I just can't. We already talked about that. You can't. God can. Whenever you feel like you can't, you're in a great place because you know that God can. We would say things like this. If I would begin to share my faith, if I begin to witness to somebody, if I would begin to pray with someone, what would they say about me? You know, Brady, I've just come across some hypocrites in my life that have been so obnoxious and they say one thing and do another and I'm not going to be one more of those and so I'm not going to witness so let me get this straight. Because you found some people who were phony Christians and talked about God and they were living a lie, you've decided you're just not going to talk about God and be an authentic Christian. I, I don't understand this. Well, we can be so fearful and say, well, what would they say about me? You know what? Jesus gets serious about this. He expects this. This isn't like, oh, Brady, you're reading into this. He just said, follow me and make a fishery. He didn't really expect it to happen. Well, then why would he say this in Matthew 5, uh, 11 and 12? Just a few verses down. Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of things and evil against you because of me. In fact, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Expect it. 
All those who have followed me, all those who have believed in me, they paid a price. And so this fear is, Jesus says, let me deal with it. Don't expect that there'll never be a problem, but let me handle the fear. But friend, we like to pick and choose. We like to say, Jesus, I want a little bit of this, I want a little bit of that. We organize for ourselves a spiritual smorgasbord. And I'm not against denominations. I'm a part of a denomination. I've chosen to be a part of the denomination. I'm proud to be of this team of churches. But here's what we've allowed our culture to do is we've allowed a denomination to say, I'm going to pick from this and pick from that and pick from that. And really, it's less about working together and it's more about me making the God that I want. God, help us. The Bible is for all of us and we are to be obedient to all of it. And he's calling us to something other than ourselves. I remember when I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma, my friend said, Brady, you've got to go to this sandwich shop. They make amazing sub sandwiches in the East Coast tradition. I didn't even know what the East Coast tradition was. I'm still not sure if I know what that means. But they said, you've got to come check it out. This sandwich will change your life. <clears throat> Whenever I heard someone tell me about a food would change my life, I'm like, I'm listening. I like food and I like, you know, that kind of change. And so I went and I, and, and well, actually before I went, my friend said, now Brady, this place is a little different. You need to be prepared. And I'm like, well, I'm okay with different. He goes, no, no, no. Like, you know, the whole ordering process is a little bit different. Okay, fine. And so I went and I looked on the menu and I saw the sandwich that I liked. It looked pretty good. A couple things I didn't like. You know, I'd rather have wheat bread and I, I don't really like peppers. And so I went up and I ordered the sandwich and I said, I'd like that without peppers and I like with wheat. He goes, no, no, you'll have the peppers. You'll have it on white bread. I thought, well, he didn't quite understand. <laughs> you know, I'm paying for this and, and I don't like green peppers on my sandwich and I prefer, white, uh, prefer wheat bread. Thank you. He goes, oh, well, uh, I make this sandwich this way and what you do with it after I give it to you is up to you. I can't be responsible for you running the sandwich. If you want to take them off, then you can just take them off. I looked at my friend. I thought, where did you take me? Well, I ordered the sandwich. What was I going to do? I was there now. And he gave me this sandwich with all the meat that he had prescribed for it. And he had these peppers on here. And then he, he waited by my table for me to take the first bite to see if I liked it. And I took a bite. And lo and behold, I loved it. I've never had green peppers that were pickled in a sweet way. And I'm like, this is like candy on a sandwich. At that point in my life, that was like nothing better. Put candy on a sandwich. And, and I, Lord, I hadn't taken me through some things yet. And so I'm just chowing down. I think this is great. And, and, and he looked at me and he said, isn't it good? The way that sweetness soaks into the bread and it, it meshes with the, the sweetness of that white bread. And it just makes the sandwich complete. And he got so passionate about the sandwich that I stopped eating him. Look at this guy. You are weird. What is going on? He said, you know, I just like to think of myself as a sandwich artist. And I've made a master sandwich for you. He said, this isn't Subway, where you go and you just pick a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and you choose this. He says, no, 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 I know how to make these, and this is how you need to eat it. It got me thinking, what audacity do we have to tell the creator of the universe, the one who has put breath in our lungs, the one who has not only given us a second chance, but a third and a seventh and a twelfth and a hundred and forty-ninth chance that says, come follow me. God, I, the getting out of hell thing, cool with uh, you know what? Doing better, acting better, being a better citizen makes sense to me. I don't know about this. I'm going to leave this part out. Path? Good. The promise of making me something I'm not, not signing up for that. How much of sin, willful disobedience do you think is cool with, with Jesus? Like what's the like, you know, how much is he okay with? I think none. How much of the delayed obedience... Sounds good, Jesus, just not now. Kind of a bad time for me. How, how much is he okay with that? I, I don't think any. How much is he okay with saying, you know what, uh, I want to obey, but I'm kind of resistant to you making me obey in this area. Either he's Lord of everything or he's not. 
Now, as our time is coming to an end today, I wanted to spend some time talking about not only why Jesus talks about fishing and why people don't fish, but I want to look at what it looks like to fish, what it looks like to have this happen. Have you discovered the amazing gift of YouTube to find out how to like do things? I love it. I don't want to read instructions anymore. I want someone to do it for me in front of me. And, and that's what we're going to find in God's Word. We're going to see what it looks like to actually fish for people the way Jesus is talking about it. And we're going to do that in Acts, but, but not today. We can't have it today. And then, more importantly, we're going to see that Jesus is wanting to do that in our life now. But I think for today, in fact, I don't think anymore. I know for today, I didn't see it. I wasn't smart enough. We need to stop. We need to deal with the things that are keeping us from fishing. Because he's going to show us how to fish. He's going to give us the power to fish. But I showed up to all the fishing times with Pappy and with Grandpa Wiseheart and with my dad. And I threw the line in the water. And you know what? Never caught anything. Nothing. Nothing. That's right, Joe. Nothing. And I was good with it. And so we can talk about need to fish. We can train to fish. We can do all these things. We can send you out to go fish for people. And you come back and you go, got nothing. Kind of good with it. Stinks. I don't really want to do it. I don't want to get pricked by the people of the world. It's just, you know, this is good. Way to go, Pastor Brady. Get those people who like fishing to fish. I don't like to fish. God, help us. I can't pick the path and leave the promise. I can't say I'm going to follow you, but, but I want to weigh in on what you're going to make me. Look at the grace in Jesus' language. Hey, guys, you're an expert in being a fisherman. You're comfortable in being a fisherman. You may not like everything about it. I'm going to use that. That's good. That's, that's okay. But I'm going to take what you have and what you know, and I'm going to make you into something that you could never, ever be. Church, would you stand with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you. I believe right now you are divinely churning up our guts. And would you not remove the itch from us today? Would you allow it to all week long begin to mill around in our hearts do I believe that if I'm a follower then I will fish for people or have I chosen to live a way where I excuse myself from this teaching that Jesus wants me to be a fisher of men because of fear because of my floundering in the familiar Have have I allowed myself to be excused from this calling to love people because I'm really fractional, compartmentalize my faith? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would remove any false guilt from this room. But Lord, what you're offering us is so far important. Would you shine the light on us playing games? You know my heart, Jesus. I don't want anybody to doubt their salvation unnecessarily. I'm not trying to talk people out of anything, Lord. I just believe you are calling us to radical, total, reckless, abandon. Not when we're qualified. Not when we feel like it. Not when we think we're all that. But every person who chooses the path to follow you. Thank you, Jesus. The greater are you, 
that is in us to he than he that's in the world who screams against everything that's been proclaimed today. Jesus, you know, and we don't. And that's all we need is to understand that you're in charge and we're not. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. I don't know that I've ever had a message where I want to say you're not allowed to respond yet. But I don't feel like you're allowed to respond yet. Go chew on it. You can throw tomatoes at me, that's fine. But just make sure you're dealing with God in the process. Next week, we'll look at what it looks like and what God wants to empower us in.